What's up, everybody? Welcome to Sean and Lydia Happy Hour, coming at you from Des Moines, Iowa, Studio Easy Peasy. Whoop, whoop. We've got a fun one for you today. We're going to be discussing all of our adventures and travels and trips to Europe and all around Belgium and France. What do you think, Lyd? What was your favorite part? Oh, we're just going to jump in like that? <laughs> Jeez, come on. First and foremost, oh, thank, yeah, yeah. thank you for joining us, folks. Europe was amazing, and we just wanted to you know, take some time today to talk about the highlights, basically, and what we did all around France and all the beautiful things that we saw and just our overall impression of everything. So before we get started, thank you again for joining us. Grab your nearest beverage, whatever you're feeling today, and crack a cold one open with us. Cheers. Cheers. I just got bukkakied by the oh high life. <laughs> well, we started the trip off with a... I, I mean, that was a pretty grueling flight for me. Overnight. Ugh. <laughs> oh my god, Sean. <laughs> I don't know what I'm even doing here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god dude. so i'll try to start <laughs> yeah <laughs> please okay. please do <clears throat> so this was a beautiful trip very highly anticipated we actually it's actually was a two-year in the making trip because covid happened unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> A two-year trip, uh, two years in the making, our beautiful friends Madison and Clem moved to Belgium, oh, let's see, maybe six months before the pandemic started, would you say? Yeah, it was the summer of 2019. Just rough already. estimate, and uh, they were going to get married, and the idea was that all of us would be coming to visit and joining in on the celebrations, et cetera, et cetera. Summer of 2020, would it have been? We were going to be, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, was yeah. supposed to happen. COVID happened, um, and this was like the heat of it, so there was no way. I mean, there was all kinds of travel restrictions and also was not safe. There was no vaccines, anything like that. There was no way that all of the U.S. people were going to be able to come to the wedding. Um, so Madison and Clem got married uh, legally, like through a small ceremony in, I believe, South France, right? Yeah. Like uh, near his home, yep. Clem's home. And we actually joined via live stream, like on a Zoom. It was really cute. Like we popped, you know, bottles of champagne and we were able to, all the friends were, and family from the States were able to tune in and be a part of it as much as we could. But point being is that we had to postpone what, what was supposed to be, which was a true like wedding celebration with everyone visiting and a, a big family ga gathering, et cetera, et cetera. So fast forward two years later, COVID is in a much better spot, obviously, and travel is a little bit easier to do, a little bit safer than it was before. So everybody traveled to from the States, from all over, you know, California, Colorado, etc., cetera, um, to Europe to be a part of the actual celebration, two years in the making, and it was, yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah, it so was. just a little background on why, what inspired the trip. But of course, we're not going to go all the way to Europe and not see some other things as well. So it was a big uh, friend vacation. We stayed in multiple cities, multiple countries while we were there. I'm just laughing at the flight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what you said. You're like, you're like, yeah, overnight. It's tough for me. Like, good feedback. <laughs> wow, riveting. <laughs> Tune in next time for more random Sean opinions. <laughs> Sean observes things. <laughs> www.seanobservations.com <laughs> Sign up for the Patreon to get yeah. exclusive opinions. All right. <clears throat> so we started the trip off with going to Belgium, meeting up with Madison and Clem. 
and got to see their home for the first time. It's absolutely beautiful. I love the setup. Like yeah, it's like super a, cool, like loft style yeah, apartment, bungalow loft, very like neat. And uh, the patio in the background was really cool. Perfect the, place. Yeah, yeah, they have a really cool spot. Like their patio, just beautiful view. Huge patio in the back. Like they can go out and have dinner or whatever, and just it lounge. connects with like multiple buildings. Mm-hmm. It's so neat. Yeah, and their kitty cat. We got to meet Biscuit. Biscuit. Petite Biscuit. And, uh, yeah, so we got to spend a lot, uh, first couple days in Brussels and that is, I mean, just spoilers. That's going to be my, that's my favorite place that we visited. I mean, mm-hmm. by far, I mean, just Brussels, it just seems like it was a young hip city that, well, it was like a college town without that college fratty type yeah. vibe. Super walkable. I mean, at least from our experience, it just seemed like, yeah, like you said, like young, younger population, very metropolitan, just like eclectic, like people from people from all over Europe, you know, come. It's just that's kind of what it felt like. It's yeah. that you're like, oh, I want to move someplace. Like, I want to experience a different city, like the same way. Maybe if you were from Iowa, you'd move to Chicago. <clears throat> yeah. Like it felt like that. Like and so there's all these different people coming around from uh, Europe, like moving there to just experience like uh, several years or maybe their entire life. I don't know. But <clears throat> Madison and Clem. Uh, did us a huge solid and they booked us like a walking tour, I think the second day that we were there, yeah. right? And so we were able to actually like learn the history. We had a really cool tour guide and we walked all around and uh, got to do kind of like the touristy thing and and uh, hear about all their monuments and so forth. It's a really beautiful city and also um, isn't... The, it's considered the capital of the EU, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. they have that's where they have a lot of their government buildings where <clears throat> the nations like come together and I don't know whatever they do talk about money, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever those dorks do. Yeah, no, but the the building was really cool. We drove by it a few times, didn't we? On the way into in and out mm-hmm. of town, that's and right. then the first night too. Matt, as exhausted as we were, because we did fly overnight, that's pretty normal. And of course, you're not sleeping really great. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like we kind of like dozed in and out. All, yeah. yeah. And so obviously that's like a long time to be traveling, but we get there and we're we're hyped, but we're tired. And Madison and Clem were like, yo, we got to like after you guys, you know, <clears throat> chill for a little bit, shower or whatever. Like there's a music festival going on. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a little festival, like right down the street. And I'm like. Damn it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah, because it was music week like in France and Belgium. Mm-hmm. It was music week. It's mainly a France thing. Yeah. But the weekend that we were there, that was like the pre-beginning. It's like a five-day thing. It goes until like Tuesday. Yeah. And it's just live music everywhere. When we went to Paris, we'll talk more about it. But yeah, it was it was neat. Mm-hmm. It was a music festival. It was free. Uh, the beer situation was pretty funny, but... The, the view was incredible. That park that the music festival was at was awesome. You could go to the ledge and just see the whole skyline. Yeah. Sean and I are hoping that, well, I guess I shouldn't speak for you, but personally, like we got to see a couple different countries on this last trip, but I would like to go back and just spend, like even just do a shorter trip, just a week and just be there with them. Yeah. Like just stay with them. Agreed. And experience the city more because obviously <clears throat> you fly all that way. You spend all the money on the flight. And you want to hit several countries. You want to see as much as you can. But like the flips, like the the negative side of that is that you're go, go, going like the whole time. Yeah, you're not really... And so you try to take in as much as you can, but you are moving around a lot. Like we moved around a lot at this yeah. trip. Like we spent several days in each spot. It's, uh, it is a little tiring. I'll be honest, like zero regrets, of course, but it was pretty tiring. I mean, you're getting on a train, you're getting on, you know, public trans bus this that like getting to your walking a mile or two yeah walking getting on the train like riding a train for three hours like getting out checking into your thing do, you know going to the event like it's a lot so i would love to go back and just be with just madison and clem and just be there in their city even if it was just for like a week yeah and um some of you may maybe some of you know this but some of you may not tomorrowland is actually in brussels um which is a huge i mean world-renowned festival that happens in Europe. And so we'd really like to go back and experience that with with them. I know Madison and Clem would really... Like, that's something that they would like to bring people, anyone interested, I guess, right. back for in a couple summers. 
So after that music festival, we just kind of went back to the, their apartment and hung out for a while. And then Lydia ended up staying home. But the rest of us went to C12, which is a <laughs> nightclub. And it was pretty intense. Like you had to buy with outside of the club. It was like a sound bar in Chicago. So it was a huge cover, like 20 something or whatever euros. And outside of the bar itself, you had to go to an ATM thing where you got these like tokens. And that's how they that's how you bought drinks. You would like scan. Why? I don't know. They just didn't take cars. They just gave you just had the like, little it made tokens. it easier for the bartenders. Or Maybe something? I don't know. They I mean you tip with these tokens too, so they must convert them into cash or whatever huh. for their tips. And so uh, they don't tip in Europe. I know, I know, yeah, but whatever. <laughs> we were tipping. We were Americans that were tipping the entire time. <laughs> and so this place was like awesome though. It had like a bunch of different rooms with a whole bunch of different artists performing like, like there was a house bar? yeah that's what i just said it was like a house room and then there was like a techno mm -hmm. and then there was like an edm like dubstep room so we obviously went finally found that one and like hung out there and i was like kind of expecting like with becca and madison like i was expecting like some weirdness to go on like at in most clubs at 2 a.m. What but do you were, mean, like people hitting on? Yeah, them? like oh. I don't know. Like I just with Becca, it seems like she's a magnet for like people always like <laughs> bugging us because she's tall, <laughs> and so that didn't happen at all. And that was like setting the tone for what was mostly Europe. What from my experience in Europe was very polite people, different culture, of course, but there was it was very polite. Uh, all of our servers were super nice. Everyone mm -hmm. that even we even conversed with. Even just passerbys and whatever were always really incredibly nice. So, yeah, I agree. I, like we didn't know the not to skip ahead, but in Brussels it wasn't a problem because we had Clem and Madison with us, and they speak French, and also a lot of people are quite fluent in English. It seemed like in Brussels, almost everybody. But no, some, some of the English. other areas that we visited, and we didn't have Clem and Madison with us. Like even despite us being just like nerds who didn't know French, like everyone was very nice to us and accommodating. Right. And so moving on from Brussels, though, it was really great. We took a train to Paris on Monday, the following Monday, and we ended up staying in a, a meeting Gail there, friend of the show Gail on episode two or three, I believe, talking about the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And she had, and was already at the Airbnb and she had gotten us some beers and we were just wiped. Remember how tired we were mm -hmm. from trying to get an Uber and uh, it was horrible. It was a strange train situation like we just it was our very first oh, yeah. train ride like oh, yeah. by the end we were pros but it was very exhausting man like we were probably already hung over when we got up and then clem like takes us to the train station it's hot sticky we're sweating like we don't know how to work you know eu trains like we don't know how it works so we're like trying to find even like what car we go into First of all, like there's no clear like numbering system. It's very crowded because it's going from Brussels, a major city to another major city, Paris. And we get on the train and we are not in the right car. There's like no place to put our luggage. So we had to like somehow get like our bags yeah. <laughs> back and forth trying to find our seats. Like people are sitting in our seats. Finally, finally, I'm like, I hate to be this and person. And also, like, you, I don't when you're walking back, sorry, I didn't interrupt you because I just have to ex explain this feeling I had of just like, <laughs> oh, it was horrible. Because you're going like through this aisle that only one person can fit through, let alone five, of five, six, like five of us. Have right, with bags. All like, these we luggage. Did, all we did luggage. have our luggage like in, there's a certain area where you can put the big luggage, but we still, imagine us, we still have like things in our arms, yeah. like our carry-on type bags and we're going back and forth and there's people coming our direction there's barely enough room so then you would just have to do this weird like jigsaw thing with oh. each other where you just agreed that like you're touching each other yeah. like it's, it's it's just accepted and you would just be like uh excuse yeah. me uh, sorry uh <laughs> everything's rubbing together it was so gross so we finally find our seats after going back and forth through this weird jigsaw situation and there are people sitting in our seats, which we came to learn, I guess, is just normal or something. Yeah, people just <laughs> sat anywhere they wanted, which, even though it was sold out. Which I guess would have been okay had we known that and also had the train not been literally sold out because there were not any other seats. So it's not like we had another place to go. 
So fu- I'm, I hated to be this person this moment, but I was so exhausted and so hot and so tired of walking back and forth. I was like, you guys are in, you're in our seats. Yeah, we got help from that you one You are lady. in our seats. I'm so sorry to make you get up, but like, I'm not riding for three hours just yeah. like standing here in the aisle. <laughs> you need to go to your seats. Or going to like that like, party where, car. I'm just confused though, because like, where are your seats? It's so confusing to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, and maybe again, like it's just one of those cultural differences. But I struggled with that that concept. <laughs> like, right. Why wouldn't you just go to your seat? You know what I mean? It's not like our seats were special. They were just regular seats. Right. <laughs> anyway, it was a very difficult. <laughs> it was definitely putting our patience. We got to probably test. get to some good stuff here because we've just been. Wondering. I mean, I think that's pretty funny. Yeah. But so we ride, we go to Paris, we arrive in Paris, we get to the Airbnb where Gail had checked us in and she is like, there are two identical Airbnbs that are next to each other. And the instructions for her check-in, because she obviously was a little bit ahead of us earlier in the day, she had flown into Paris, she did not come to Brussels first. And so she was responsible for getting checked in <laughs> and following the instructions. And... She, when we were in there after like 10 minutes, she was like, oh yeah, by the way, like, I just hope we're in the right Airbnb <laughs> because the blah, blah, blah instructions, they didn't really make sense. Like they're both- like the gray box has like a black dot on it or something. It was weird. She when and to her credit, exhausted, has been traveling for whatever, 15 plus hours yeah. or more at that point. But so we're like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I hope we're in the right Airbnb. <laughs> We're there for four days? Yeah. Three to four days? Yeah. At the end of our stay, we go to check out and put the key back in the box that we were of the Airbnb that we're supposed to be in and realize to our great shock that we actually were not in the right Airbnb. (laughs) No wonder people kept coming to the door and opening the door. That in fact, we had spent the past four days in the other Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So that's why I'm saying is like the moral of this moral of this whole story is that I do whatever been, you want. I was well, I was humbled. I was like making mistakes everywhere. I was looking like a goof everywhere. But yeah, so that that was awesome that it all worked out, but people were constantly knocking and coming to the door. <laughs> Yeah, so Gail had gotten us beer, and we just ordered food and just sat in, like, the Airbnb. Yeah, we needed to just veg out that night. Like, we were so tired. Let's talk about Paris. We had some cheeseburgers, and I think we went to bed at a reasonable hour. Yeah, (laughs) let's talk about Paris, though. Let's talk about what we loved and what we enjoyed. so the Louvre was beautiful, obviously. What was your favorite part of the Louvre? I think the statues at the end. In, I agree. With the sun dripping all across all these yeah, sculptures and statues. Yeah, it was really magical. If, I think everyone, I'll listen to It was like a finale. You know what the, the Louvre is. It's where the Mona Lisa is. It's one of the most famous paintings. It's one of the most famous museums. Mm-hmm. They have everything. They have artifacts from past times of all these different cultures. And they right. have halls for all these different cultures. Egyptian. I loved the Egyptian stuff. I've been obsessed with ancient Egypt since I was a little kid, since I can remember. I'm not quite sure why but i've just been fascinated with it and so i enjoyed all of that very much and it was wonderful but what was most most breathtaking was you know you kind of go somewhat in order it's a little confusing but you sort of just get wound through this giant museum for a couple hours basically right and what seemed like the end for at least our experience (laughs) when you're kind of getting towards the end you've gone through all the egyptian stuff you've seen the classic paintings and watercolors and oil paintings and the galleries of these giant paintings that are just gorgeous and all the ancient artifacts and so forth. And then at the very end are the French, I think it was the French gallery or the French sculptures. I'm not, I don't exactly remember the area's name, but it's basically all the sun, all the natural light is coming in. Yeah. The architecture is such a way that it lets all the natural light in. And all of the sculptures are like gray or white. So they're radiating this energy. And it's this huge open area of just like classic French art, French sculptures. And it's just so beautiful. It was breathtaking. And 
how would you describe it, Sean? That's what, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm, I've already said. It was, it was basically like a window, like a ceiling was all open. It felt like heaven, kind of. (laughs) I mean, really, it felt like you were in the clouds, sort of, like the way, the biblical heaven, like the way you thought of it when you were a little kid. Yeah, and there was all these, like. That's what it felt like, like cloud, they were, the sculptures were almost as though they were clouds, like, because they were like white, like cascading sort of through the gallery. It was quite beautiful. Yeah, it was intense. And after we, when we left the Louvre, well, we had a meal finally. Oh yeah, you were getting eat. hangry. Oh, I had been hangry. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry to say, but I had a, I had a tood. Yeah, sure. you had an attitude. I cannot wake up and just do that for seven hours after being hungover as shit and not eat. Like that's not, that is not a good way to start Lid's day off. But I, nevertheless, I had a good time. And after that, we went to, obviously, we had to see the Eiffel Tower, and that was beautiful. I mean, the intricacies of the metal, like, from below, is really remarkable. Yeah. Eiffel Tower was really neat. We got to do this all with Cindy, Lydia's mother, my mother-in-law, and... We just basically got to buy beers from a stand and just hang out in a park with looking at this incredible monument. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's world renowned. And that was a lot of fun. And walking around, just being around and being in Paris was, I can check it off my bucket list. And I just thought like in the city, it was like a lot of shopping. It was mm-hmm. a lot. It was like financial district kind of vibes. And there was just like Louis Vuitton. There was like all these like actual shops that people were going in and out and buying tons of stuff and i didn't even buy a single thing besides like a sim card you know i I was just there for the culture and the experience Mm -hmm. and we had some of my favorite most favorite pizza i've ever had (laughs) i mean i'm not i don't know i I thought it was like incredible that's funny i had well i had pasta that night so yeah (laughs) well everyone else got pizza and everyone else loved it and uh, we have to talk about the catacombs, though. We went to the catacombs the day before. Another fascination of my youth. So yeah. So I, I was, I mean, not that other people didn't want to go, but I was the one who was like, that's for sure. Like, we're going. We have to book, a, like, a time slot and so forth. It's something. When I was little, I couldn't tell you what age, but I saw, uh, I think it was called Most Haunted, something like that. Show, don't, couldn't tell you what channel irrelevant but people at home listening at home might recognize the name but basically they would do sort of like a factual deconstruction of different haunted places around the world and i loved ghosts and spooky paranormal stuff i still do and that was one of the episodes that just like stuck out in my mind and i've since seen you know several several other programs about the catacombs and just when ever since i was probably like 10 i've been fascinated by it and some of my favorite movies are, like, based on the catacombs, honestly. Like, As Above, So Below is one of the best horror films I've ever seen. And anyway, just to give you a little background, so I obviously had to hit the catacombs. It was very cool. It was the perfect length of time. Like, it wasn't an all-day excursion. Like, it was maybe an like hour. Like, an hour, yeah, yeah, at most. And they gave you this, like, audio device that you could just, like, put around your neck. Like, you had, like, a little yeah, chain. Yeah, and they, and It was, like, a virtual tour. Yeah, Not exactly. an actual tour guide, but... And the one of the cool things was it was so, like, titillating to the curiosity, <laughs> like, so to speak, because when you walk through what's open to the public, you there's gated off areas with, like, iron gates that you cannot go down certain corridors. And I don't know how vast the catacombs are, but I can tell you they're vast. And they go on and on and on and on and on. And that's the creepy, eerie part about it, is there's all these areas that you cannot see. You cannot yeah. go. Like, you could be lost down there. Yeah, yeah so the Gail looked it up afterward, and there was ten, there's like 10 million skull like dead bodies in mm-hmm. these catacombs and i think we saw like twenty thousand at most mm-hmm. so that just gives you like a picture of how little we saw of the catacombs but it was, it was still really cool and that audio device was neat because they had like section every section was like numbered one through like i think 15 or 16 and then you would just listen to like a minute or so long clip describing like this section of the catacombs or just like history about the catacombs so after that we went to a Went and got like a cup, a little bit of food and like uh, some wine, which something of note for me. And if you know me well, like, you know, I have horrible heartburn 
and I got heartburn zero times from the wine out in France. Yeah. And Europe. I remember you saying and that? It's Obviously, just, the wine is delicious. It's there, of so good. Yeah, it's so much better. Like, I mean, wine here can be great too if you want to spend forty bucks or whatever. We also have to mention the World War II Museum. Before the trip, obviously, you're kind of trying to check out, get an agenda, relative agenda for what you'd like to do in each city. And of course, we had the Louvre and the catacombs and the Eiffel Tower. But I wanted to see if there was anything, maybe like roads less traveled or things that maybe people would recommend that aren't the obvious tourist attractions. And I found out that there's actually a World War II museum that's directly across from the catacombs and it's free. So I hoped that we could maybe stop there and we absolutely didn't like zero regrets on that. So basically the museum walks you through the start of the conflict, like before France was even involved in World War II, all the way to the liberation of Paris by the allies from German occupied France. And it was like, I'm not going to (laughs) lie, the public listening, like I cried on several yeah, occasions yeah. it was really it was a really cool museum it was and free yeah well we don't i mean it's, it's like donation based, based like yeah. the like the way that the art museum here in des moines is and so forth but and we did donate of course but it is free and there was really nobody hardly anybody in there it was beautiful like i am a sucker if you know me you know that i'm a sucker for war related things and history like i just love i love that kind of stuff like i gobble that stuff up i want to hear all about world war ii and i don't know maybe it comes from my dad but it was beautiful and they had a lot they even had like nazi artifacts and flags and things like that and it told a tale basically from start to finish like all the way from how hitler rose to power and when germany was moving across europe and came into france and basically they had to surrender to germany and just be occupied by germany and through normandy and it was very it felt very emotional it was so heavy in there and it was a beautiful experience but I kept saying to Gail I was like it's so like it's so heavy like I just feel the weight here like being in Paris and it's different like you're watching a documentary about World War II at home here in the comfort of the United States but to experience that chronological tale with artifacts and film and photos and everything in between from the beginning of the conflict to the end of the conflict in Paris that was occupied by Nazi Germany carried a different emotional weight. Yeah. That's well put. Good job. So let's, let's just give a chat because I know this is one of your favorite parts. One of my favorite parts of, of, Paris, that whiskey bar that we went to, that was owned by the Egyptian. It's absolutely man. a highlight because so as we were saying, we don't know French. We're just, you know, dumb <laughs> Americans. And so we'd experienced several days of just struggling through the language. And I, not that I know a lot of Japanese, but I know some Japanese. I took Japanese for four years in high school and I've been to Japan. And so that's really the only language that I have any relative bearing on. And so we were just looking for something to do one of the nights and... We, it was nearby our Airbnb and we walked down sort of like what felt like a side street corridor and it was a whiskey bar with whiskeys from like all over the world. All over Really cool ambiance, like kind of just dark and mysterious. And the bar, the owner and the bartender, like he was, I'm pretty sure the only staff there, like it's just him and it's his establishment, came over and I'm not really sure, somebody must must have asked about languages or something. And he said, do you remember how the conversation went? Because all I know is he said something about Japanese. And I said, oh, my God, (laughs) finally. So, you know, picture being several days where you're just like, I "I don't know shit. Like, I can't speak to anybody. I don't know anything. I'm so stupid. And this man comes over and he's like, oh, you know, welcome all this. I love Americans. Like, you guys always have so much fun. He said something really (laughs) poignant. 
in my opinion. He said that he, I know when Americans come to my bar because as soon as they walk in, they say hi, they greet me, and they smile. And he's <laughs> like, that is not the European way. Ooh. And he, he really reminded me of Ari Shafir. Really? <laughs> yeah, just like the way he talked and just like... Yeah. I think I asked him, like, how many languages do you know? Because I heard him speaking okay. English. I think I heard him speaking, like... Yeah. Uh, something else and, and he knew French. Several. Yeah, he knew five he languages. Said he, he said he knew Japanese, and yeah. I said, "Oh my god!" I was just so thrilled. I was like, oh, "I know a little bit of Japanese too." Yeah. And he's like, "Oh," <laughs> you know, he like greeted me, and he's like, "Nihongo." <laughs> I was like, "Sukoshi ga Nihongo And he was like speaking to me, and I was like, "Fuck, I don't." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I only got like a little bit, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just, it felt. I don't know how to explain it. It just was very, it made me feel like so warm. I was like, not only is this dude dope and this bar is dope, but he also knows a little bit of the only other language that I know. And so, you know, we had a, we had a wonderful night there. We spent several hours. He's bringing us, you know, whiskey. We're hanging out. He had we, fireball. We had, we had an absolutely wonderful time there. So he's one of those kinds of people that you can't tell if he's being facetious on everything that he's saying, or he's just like legit ha- is cultured and explored so much of the world. Cause you know, he's lived in like 17 I different felt countries. I he was being genuine. This is the this is the kicker I'm trying to get at. He was sharing about this bottle of whiskey that he said was twenty to thirty thousand euro for this one bottle, and he said every glass of it is a thousand euro. That's what he charges. And I was like, I took a picture of it to look it up like later on, and oh. I ended up looking it up, and he's right. Oh. It's, it sells for fifteen to thirty forty five thousand euro, depending on like what how old it's a it is. It's a Japanese whiskey. Yeah, it's a Japanese it's whiskey. It's got like a kabuki. Yeah. It's Mask on yeah, it's yeah. called N O H No Whiskey, and uh, it's vintage number one. It tells you like what year and what distillery and all this on the bottle here. But anyway, my point is is that like that is like the the deciding factor for me. He was it kind of made you uh, be like, okay, I think he's being for he's real. legit like telling the truth. Like, he, and he was having a good time with us, and I know this for a fact because he was like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna text my like, I want to tell my wife to come down here like when she after yeah, so she put, he lived above. So the yeah, bar. they live above the bar. And he's like, oh, yeah, my wife, like, I want her to meet you guys. Uh, she's with the kids. Like, she's putting the kids to bed for the night and all this. And so she finally comes down, like, a couple hours later. Like, he wasn't lying. <laughs> she He comes down. He wants, because that's what, what a good time we're having. <laughs> he actually genuinely wanted her to meet us. Yeah. And they had a, they have, like, a baby monitor that comes to her phone. So she can come down and like help out at the bar, or like hang out for a while while also watching the kids room yeah, <laughs> to make sure like the yeah. kids aren't getting up and like crying or whatever. I just, it was just so interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting. He was so welcoming and it was such a wonderful experience, honestly. I'm yeah. glad that we found that. And it, it's just those cool things about, those are my favorite parts of travel. So you have the Eiffel Tower, you have the catacombs, but really what stick always ends up sticking out in my mind are the off the beaten path little holes in the wall places that weren't on the map. You know what I mean? That you just... exactly Because you can't put that in a travel guide. What right. we experienced. You had to be there at the exact right time and happen to find on whatever, just Googling it going, where should we go tonight? Like randomly and just seeing that there was a whiskey bar. It's just so many things have to align to have that perfect experience. Right. Yeah. And it, I think that's what I'm trying to say is I think that that's what travel is all about is those small blips of synchronicity and harmony. You're on it today. You're kicking ass with your uh, nuggets of wisdom. So appreciate that. <laughs> so let's move forward, though. After Paris, uh, I think I have a better feelings about Paris now removed weeks removed from the experience. I think in the moment it was... It was just a lot of go, go, go. And it was also just... It uh, was more... It was it, difficult because we didn't have that Madison or Clem to help us. And it just felt like... I felt very foreigner. I yeah. felt like very... Everything was like dis, a disconnect. It just was really difficult. And obviously it was very much the touristy part of our trip. Yeah. I mean, and we knew that going into it. Like we wanted to see... You're not going to go all the way to Europe and be so close to Paris and not see the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre. Like obviously we're going to do that. So... We knew that going in, that we were going to spend several days pretty much doing... We knew that going in, that we were going to spend several days doing touristy stuff. Yeah. So let's get to, in my opinion, some of the best part of the entire trip. For sure. So we went to the train station and, again. in Paris. Yeah, in Paris. Shelby, by the way, 
uh, just to introduce a new character. Shelby, <laughs> Becca's girlfriend, barely makes it. Because she had been flying into Paris to catch the train with us to go to Montpellier, which is in South France, where all the wedding festivities and so forth were taking place. So we were supposed to meet Clem to pick up rental cars in that same day, getting on the train in Paris and going to Montpellier. Flight was delayed slightly, right? Yep. And her flight was delayed just slightly enough that it was like, oh my gosh, we're going to be cutting it close. But good news, she made it. Poor Shelby after this long travel, then she has to get on a train. But we get there, perfectly fine train ride. We get there, Clem's there. We... Have to get those rental cars, which seems like it took like an hour <laughs> to just sign 12 papers. Like, what is We going pick on? up the cars. We go to Sommier. Sommier, yeah. I'm sure I say it wrong every time. Nope, but that is where Clem's family basically, I guess I would describe it as like a villa. Yeah. Is. Hotel Estelu is where we stayed. It was mm-hmm. a freaking remarkable hotel. So the wedding was at his family, ancient family home, by the way. It's been in the family for I don't even know how many years. And multiple family members are like owner, part owners of it. Beautiful old home in South France. And the hotel that they booked for all their guests. That So at this point in the trip, just so you can picture it, this is when everyone is finally fully coming together. Before that... You got people coming in late, B and Cassie, for example, like they couldn't come and do all the touristy stuff because of school and so forth. So, but they're coming for the wedding. So they're flying in. Daniel from California is flying in. He's arriving. All the family now who had been there previously is coming in all to the hotel, right? Yeah. And the hotel is just right up the hill from the villa, like maybe two minute walk, three minutes, five minutes at most, seriously. And it's beautiful South France, old hotel. I guess everything is just old there and way more cultured, frankly. It's yeah, not, that's it's the not thing. a Hilton, let's put it that way. That's the thing. These buildings are hundreds of years yeah. older than like our it's house. It's a beautiful, you know, home, or beautiful hotel. Flowers, trees, all wrapped around a gated, gorgeous pool it's like in the 180 back. euro a night is nothing and it's yeah. like the most incredible experience so we got there on a thursday and we had dinner and just kind of like got to like rest <laughs> we went back home and just rested uh oh we got to see the family home for the first time that was incredible because they have this three different families within clem's family owns this house and so we got to see the whole home without like all the wedding stuff all set up. And then uh, it was a magical moment because Clem's mom doesn't speak English hardly at all. Like she spoke maybe 25 words about as many French words as I can speak. And she had this like moment where she's like, oh, I'll be right back. She basically was saying, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. We were all in the backyard of this home where they were going to have their ceremony and we're all going to eat and everything. And she goes and she flips a switch and the lights come on that her, his uncle, Clem's uncle and aunt had already been putting up the lights. And in these trees, it just, it basically was like an electric forest, just electrified. Mm -hmm. It was so beautiful. And yeah, I mean, I can't believe it. Looked it looked like a, it reminded me of a fairy tale. Honestly. Yeah, exactly. Their backyard is just like whimsical. It sort of goes on and on. There's just some old bird baths. Yeah. Structures and things. And even like a pond that wasn't filled. Yeah, it wasn't filled, but yeah. Ancient. It was basically, <laughs> I don't know I, how long what I there, thought but. and what I said is that it reminded me of Madison's parents' home. Oh their, my God, ba- you're so right. Their the backyard. Vibe. Yeah. Yeah, but it was like, <laughs> bigger obviously yeah i didn't even think of it that's why i told him that's why i told ben so that was thursday we got to finally got to see that family home finally that clem's been talking about so much he's always talking about like how it's spooky and there's a lot of (laughs) ghosts and it's haunted and so that's actually kind of funny because it definitely gave you that vibe the upstairs also by the way had the shining like flooring it was really weird like the movie the shining the flooring so Okay, let's get into the actual reception uh, and then the wedding itself. So Friday and Saturday. So Friday we did the reception at the hotel. Mm-hmm. That's when we. That's when all the family from Matt, like Clem's family. Everyone was there finally. All like, Clem all, and Madison's everyone has friends. Finally checked into their hotel. Yes, Clem and Madison's friends, yeah. family, U.S. folks, people from all over Europe. Wine hors d'oeuvres, B to B one hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. And it was a beautiful night and. Um, they said some words. It wasn't like super formal. 
No, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, picture a rehearsal dinner. That's yeah. basically yeah, what yeah. it was to greet. When you are having a wedding that a lot of the people are not from the area, you kind of do that. And That's where them. it made a lot of sense. You basically were all, were so many different sectors of the, of like sections of this family like coming together and you kind of have to like schmooze a little you gotta you kind of have to like get to know people you want to have like a great experience for the next 24 hours so mm -hmm. that's what that really eased us into like i met all of like clem's friends and his brothers and his sister-in-law and all of his nieces and nephews and so yeah that was a lot of fun uh but we can move forward though to the actual wedding itself it's hard to describe the wedding, honestly. Again, as I mentioned, in, like as I mentioned in the beginning, it was two years in the making. What can I say other than it was perfect, beautiful, in the backyard, the whimsical backyard that we described previously. Something I really want to make, I uh, want to give a shout out to Mara because she did the wedding in both English and French. Yeah, I was going to mention that as Mara something is that sticks out to me. Madison's sister, older sister. And she's sister. a pastor. She and her husband are pastors. So she is, as you can imagine, a great orator to begin with. And she doesn't know French. She doesn't speak French. But she did because... A reminder there half the crowd speaks english and half the crowd speaks french basically and some people know a little bit of english or vice versa but there are many people there who do not know english at all so she was trying to cater to both in the most respectful of ways and i'm sure her french was not perfect but i just was so i was blown away by her performance really because she had guts, man. She stood up there and she did the whole thing in, she would do like a paragraph in English. Then she would take it back and she would do the paragraph in French. And she yeah. does not know French. And it sounded wonderful to me. It and sounded really so good. Absolute props to her. It was a beautiful ceremony. Our friends finally, you know, tied the knot official, official with everyone there. Dinner and of was course, great. the night proceeded to be spectacular we really. got really we were really lydia and i were both really fortunate because we got to have we were invited to share some words we mm -hmm. were invited to give a speech about our relationship with mm -hmm. madison and clem respect and i wrote i wrote a poem instead of in lieu of a speech and i think it went okay i was so nervous but it went okay <laughs> and uh the thing about your poem is that it couldn't be so like whenever someone did a speech in french it was people could follow along in english with a translation printed out so as best as they could. So Clem had like a friend that was just handing that stuff out all, uh, throughout. Mm -hmm. But with your poem, you couldn't do that. Like it was. No, I, I'm like, I don't think it'll translate. It'll be weird. So it's like you either know English or you don't. Sorry. <laughs> if you can understand kind of what I'm saying. But regardless, uh, the night proceeded to they had, you know, some just normal as you do classical music, but towards the halfway through the night, they had a DJ that started inside, which was Fakir's fiance, actually. Yeah, so DJ, you, you may or may not know who Fakir is, but he's actually a pretty famous DJ. DJ Anna or something? Yeah, I'm sorry, but I don't remember yeah. her name. But she, yeah, was, I mean, Fakir's So obviously fiance. party was what? popping off. Like, yeah. So that's when it really got to going. Anyway, we had a wonderful night. Awesome party. We even went back to the hotel and changed into some festival gear because we were we were uncomfortable. That's something that we had to mention. Like the hotel was like walkable distance to yeah, like it was their quick. house. It, it was, was like perfect setup. Like they really nailed it. They out, absolutely out the nailed it. And one one thing before we wrap up the story about the wedding that I will say is there were some of the European like older family members that were still awake with us when we were, you know, sending it in for the night, like at four, yeah. <laughs> they were just still by And then they were there helping clean up <laughs> right. and stuff I was like, like okay, the next wow. morning when we were all feeling like really not great. <laughs> so we're going to have to wrap this up a little bit here, but just to fast forward to probably one of the best parts. So the next day they had a food truck back at, back at the villa just to send people off. We got it back into the rental cars and went to Personally, my favorite part, a mansion in South France with just the homies, like just the friends, like the 10 of us. <clears> like or the Des Moines, right? it was 11. Right, old, the old friends it was eleven people high, from high school and their partners, you know, like Shelby and you obviously didn't go to high school with us, but, you know. Neither did Alex. I know, Cassie. but just like the close homies were all there. So it's picture all the young folk in the most beautiful home, haunted, by the way, also haunted, but beautiful and old. 
and we had the coolest pool. It was in like a French country huge yard. infinity pool that was just ours. Yeah. And we got to finally, for the first time the whole trip, in my opinion, like just chill. Yeah. For five days, we just got to drink beers, hang out in the sun. Heineken's all around. Be silly with our friends. It was beautiful. I That was my favorite part, no doubt. Heineken's <laughs> all around. It was absolutely magnificent. Clement Madison booked us a kayaking trip. Uh, in the while we were staying there so we took the rental cars and we drove out and kayaked that was really fun and then we also had a pool day completely planned out pool day where we rented our uh these like beach nice beach beds and we got to just hang out on the beach uh the mediterranean sea and the beach all day and we got a server just came over and gave gave like brought us food and tons of beers and tons of uh champagne and yeah, it was pretty incredible. Uh, the price tag was like a thousand euro for all of us to eat and drink all day, but it was so worth it because just seeing a new ocean, seeing a new the Mediterranean Sea, uh, was really important to me, and I know it was important to most people as well, including Lydia mainly. But I had one of my favorite, one of the best pina coladas I've ever had, surprisingly in France in that little city. I don't forget what it was called. I think it was Nice or something like that. And then after we stayed at uh, in Bucara, that French mansion in the French, in like a French off a French farm, we went to back to Brussels to end our trip to cap off our trip. Brussels has my heart. I think Brussels is gonna be far away, like one of my favorite places I've ever been, as far as like a city and like this just the landscape of it all. It felt very uh, like industrial and like. The architecture was, you know, hundreds and hundreds more years old than anything in this country. And there's so much history. And I, I've said this, like, I know this is one of the main, main points, but I have to make it on the podcast. So it's recorded in time. But the lore behind Europe and the lore behind especially Brussels is so neat. Like they have these stories. So we have to, I'm surprised it took us 50-ish minutes to get to this. And for the grand finale. Yeah. They have this story about a little boy peeing, and they call him the mannequin. Well, first of all, it's a monument, basically, a little statue, and but it's based off this little boy peeing. It's not based off of anything. They don't even know the real story. It's just so it's just a really underwhelming little statue that looks like a cherub. He looks like a cherub, like a little bush. Sorry for people who don't know what a cherub is. Uh, like St. Valentine, like the classical little baby playing this guy. That's a oh. cherub. And it's from Greek mythology. And he, that's what he looks like. He looks like a little cherub, but he's peeing and he's like a, he's a sculpture, but he's a fountain as yeah, well. Yeah, he looks and like he's a little peeing cupid, like yeah. water. Like, so the fountain is just going and he's just in the corner basically of kind of a shopping like restaurant district. And he's, it's not that big of a statue. It's just kind of a little situation. And when we, <laughs> and he's a famous Brussels like tourist he's attraction. He's like an icon. And they like dress him up. Yeah. They, they people from time to time. And he's also been stolen several times. Yeah. There's like a whole bunch of history about <laughs> how he's just, been stolen. And it's so like the, funny. And his actual name is Mannequin Piss. Mannequin Piss. And I didn't mean to be like rude during the tour, but I could not stop laughing when the tour mannequin guide said Mannequin Piss. I'm like, piss. Mannequin Piss? Mannequin Piss. I'm, what? Mannequin peas. Mannequin peas. It's so funny. It's so amazing. So we went back. We need to re-record like the beginning so we can just right away just get to the good stuff, which is mannequin piss. So we went back on our last leg of the trip, but as I've already mentioned, it was Brussels. We went back. We went and saw the mannequin piss again. Look, they had him dressed up as like a, a sheep herder. <laughs> it was just incredible. So we went to Plain Public and we did another club night at, in Brussels. And that was really fun. Probably our send off night. It was a blast. Yeah, it we, was like our final night where we got to like celebrate. We and partied have a good hard time. together. We, we stayed danced. up till a little birdie sang just about. So, yeah, we did some real classical Clem stuff. Stayed up till a little birdie sing. And. And then that was that was pretty much it. We had a lot of difficulties getting home, so that was not fun. We had our flight delayed and whatnot, but we ended up making it. And then I got home and I had to start my new job. <laughs> and Lydia and I did something that we've never done in our relationship, which was stay home and just sleep and order in 
some food on July 4th. Yeah. Because we were wiped Yeah, out. we haven't ever probably done We've never done that. <laughs> well, probably on, if we celebrated the night before, maybe. Yeah, I just yeah, mean, yeah. And I thought it was so fitting, too, because this country is really pissing me off recently. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, how beautiful, actually, that we could be doing the opposite of what you should be doing. Yeah, that's a good we point. We weren't even hardly in the country and we were just pissed off and exhausted right and also yeah they they overturned roe v wade while we were in europe so yeah. i was like yeah i'm not celebrating fucking when i read that like i was just i was just scrolling on my phone you know we ordered like a cheese plate or whatever at the hotel that was really cool man oh that hotel is still estelu look it up if you want to see some real cool stuff but I was scrolling on my phone. And I mentioned it, and it was like their wedding day, I think, or like the day before their wedding day. And Madison just goes, "Dude, just stop. I don't want to talk about it. It would just piss me off." I'm like, "Whatever you say. You're, this is your one and only moment where you felt like a, like I mean, this is your moment. You know, you got to take control of it." Mm-hmm. Europe was humbling. Europe changed me. It was a life changing experience to be gone for 16 days. Coming home to my kitty cats, my boys was. It was just a whole bunch of go-go love and in the best way. Uh, and seeing my two friends getting married like at their this home that has been in the family for 300 plus mm-hmm. years. Ugh, it was a remarkable experience. And I really miss Madison and Clem. I mean, they're, they're two of our best friends for sure. And just having them be in a whole, the whole Atlantic Ocean away is, is difficult. But we'll be back there soon, and I think they're hopefully coming back to the U.S. of A. at the end of the year. For the holidays and for New Year's Eve is their plan, I believe. But overall, it's hard to describe the entire experience because i it's hard to put into words, I guess, for me. But I just feel so grateful to be privileged enough to even travel. And if you do have the opportunity and the means to travel, I highly recommend it because... I think what traveling does for the mind is an exercise of learning different perspectives. And you can do that at home, but it's different when you're traveling. Because you are forced to be out of your comfort zone and I think it's so easy as a human to be in your own little tribe in Des Moines, for example. And you, even if you think you're an open-minded person or in Denver or Chicago, even if you think you're an open-minded person, you do fall into tribalism and getting com- too comfortable, basically. Right. In your own friend group and the way the culture is in Des Moines or in Denver or in Chicago. And you need those reminders in life that the world is big. Yeah. You can think about that in your head. Oh, I know the whole world is out there and there's other countries, but until you actually go and experience it, you're not going to really understand that information. Right. Well done. Well put. That was our Europe trip in a nutshell. Just one hour podcast. So we appreciate you being here for episode 14 of Sean and Lydia Happy Hour. We've got a, another wedding to go yeah. to. So we're going to go celebrate my old uh, my old co-worker, AJ and Shay now. Yeah, going cheers, to, AJ and Shay. Yeah, Let's cheers. go, baby. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Cheers. I hope everyone, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you taking the time to just hear us. Yeah. Love you. I appreciate it. I know we probably don't have many listeners, but if you are out there listening, we really appreciate it. That's all I can say. Lead with love. Thank you for listening to us talk. Lead with love. Thank you so much. This has been Sean and Lydia Happy Hour, and we out. We out.